Various friends and family have expressed confusion over why I'm so militant. And as uh, one person described me recently on Facebook, evangelical with my atheist philosophy. So why do we do it? What's our goal? And why now? These questions we'll endeavor to answer on this episode. It's always important to remember that not all questions have complete answers, or any answer, and that's okay. You have to have the courage to face the unknown when you're off the reservation. This whole goddamn thing's off the reservation. Oh, are you wearing your grouchy pants today? All right, welcome to the show. I'm Eric, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Garrison. That would be me. You can follow me on Twitter, at Eric Pelham, and you can follow... I am at Garamone, G-A-R-R-I-M-O-N-E. And we'll throw those up again at you at the end of the, at the, end of the thing. Um, so recently, I got to do a guest spot on Monday night. On uh, It's, a, it's a, a podcast. It's actually a video cast. Uh, they do. Uh, it's they recorded on uh, Google Hangouts, which was a new thing for me. And uh, if you watch the show, you can see I had a little trouble connecting up and staying connected. But uh, <laughs> um, I think it was the internet connection I was using here at the house. We'll we'll work out that for future shows. But uh, it's called Atheist on Air Beyond the Trailer Park, and it's a gal by the, she goes by the handle Heretic Woman. She's on Twitter at Heretic Woman. Her YouTube channel is Heretic Woman. Uh, it was a good show. It was about two hours long. And uh, my friend Chris of Seething Heathen, at Seething Heathen, of the Unbuckling the Bible Belt podcast is the one who referred her to us. And it was a show on noobs, noobs to podcasting, specifically atheist podcasting. And uh, did a good job. She's really cool. Her uh, um, co-host is an- another gal. And they're all in different geographic locations. She's in upstate uh, one of them's in upstate New York, and one of them is somewhere else. And then one of the guys from uh, Unbuckling the Bible Belt, Joe Kendick, that's his ha- his Twitter handle. It's Joe Kendick, which is Joe Kendick. He's uh he's quite the uh, he he's the funny man, uh, and he was cool. It was really cool to get a chance to meet him. He's out of Tennessee, about sixty something miles from where uh, Chris lives in Nashville. So it's cool that we're able to like do a show like that. And a guy by the name of Dave Foda joined us in the course of that. And um, he's very active on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, watch the show. You can also look him up on Twitter. He's a, he's a very interesting cat. He's written quite a bit. He's very active on Facebook posting, and he's got quite a following there. And uh, very, very interesting folks. So check that out. I realize I'm pretty late to the party when it comes to finally listening to Serial, um, and I downloaded all the shows onto Stitcher Radio, which is so awesome, and I have to say, I've listened to two of them. I am completely hooked. Sarah Canning is just amazing, and of course, Ira Glass, whom we all love producing it, but anywho, if you have not uh, heard of it or are not listening to it or have not you know, followed it when it was airing week by week... Please do cereal. It's killer. Yeah, I've I've listened to all twelve. And no spoiler alert. No, no, I, I won't. I definitely won't. But um, it is a 
fantastic. If you like um, This American Life, you will absolutely love Serial, no doubt about it. It's it, it reminds me of, um, you know, the the old radio things that people used to tune in it's week a mystery by week. yeah I mean, it's a it's, mystery it is so awesome and the way they do the editing and everything it's just fabulous so you definitely should check that out um and that's that's some uh, we're going to probably have a little bit at the top of every show about podcasts that we've listened to um which brings us into our next segment here You missed the really gruesome visual of Eric doing devil horns and sticking out his tongue. <laughs> As they say, I've got a face for radio. Um, so <laughs> that's story. our that's our uh, new intro song for Favorite Things. That's Bad Religion doing Favorite Things. Um, and uh, today I want to plug, which also t- sort of ties in with another podcast. Um, I, listen, I, st- I listen to the Joe Rogan experience, and um, Joe Rogan's a, a super smart guy. He's very funny. He's also a stoner, and he's got a few far-out ideas that I don't really agree with. Um, but he's definitely spot-on. He's a very smart guy, and he's definitely like a guy who can say, hey, I was wrong, and go back and correct himself. So if you haven't listened to the Joe Rogan experience, you might want to check that out, too. But one of his main sponsors, is I, I sort of gather that he might even be a partner in the business, is this organization called On It. And they do a bunch of supplements and workout equipment and uh, things like that. And they do this, and they do these things called Warrior Bars. And I just ordered them, and it's basically buffalo meat with cranberries, and it's supposedly some Native American, ancient Native American recipe that the uh, natives would use to put together these sort of mishmash of stuff that they could Sounds just revolting. graze on. But it's actually really it good. It is we got terrific. Our, yeah, we got our first shipment today. And I got to tell you, I great. took a bite expecting to want to spit it out, and it was delish. So that's my favorite thing for this week. And mine, and this is just for the uh, local L.A. peoples, is the Olympic Spa. Uh, at 3915 Olympic in Koreatown. Oh, my God. You go in there, and these little Korean ladies scrub you within an inch of your life with these little silk mitts. Then they slap you on a table and rub all the knots out of you. I swear I felt like a million bucks, like a wet noodle when I came out of there. If you can go, do. It's divine. Olympic Spa, 3915 Olympic Boulevard in Koreatown in Los Angeles. And now for another episode of This Week in Stupid Shit. So This Week in Stupid Shit is, uh, well, it's going to be me. Because <laughs> so, I've got... <laughs> Isn't that every week? <laughs> it's I'm the stupid shit in Garrison's life, but this particular <laughs> week I'm the stupid shit on the podcast. Um, so last week I plugged a... a, a our last show, I plugged a podcast by the name of Scathing Atheist, and I gave out the Twitter address for the guy and his wife, who are the host and co-host of the show. And I I missed the, uh, apparently, a uh, lot of people go by handles these days in this, especially amongst this particular group of folks. And so it wasn't their actual names. It's it's a, a clever way of saying something with a name. So I said his name was Noah Legends, but it's actually pronounced Noah Lusions. No oh, illusions. So. Snap. So that's that's how you say that. And his wife's name is Lucinda, not Legends, but Lucinda Lusions. So losing the de, losing delusions or losing 
the illusions. Very of, clever. But that's their. <laughs> so sorry, guys. That that one's on me. I'm. Uh, that's what you get for being old and white. <laughs> um, you know, cleverness seems to slip right over my head. So I'm I'm the uh, I'm the tard this week and this week in stupid shit. So uh, eh, you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so the topic of this show is why do we do it? And you know, I I've, we we've sort of talked a little bit about it in some of the preceding episodes and this time we're going to really get into it the the um i'm going to start out by re, re, you know re, retelling a bit of an anecdote that happened on facebook on sunday i posted an article that we're going to be referencing throughout the rest of the show called 10 signs that religious fundamentalism fundamentalism is going down and that was on uh, www.salon.com and i posted the article with the following statement Thanks to my buddy for sharing this with me. This is what we want. Hashtag normalize atheism. Hashtag be secular. We just need to keep up this relentless pressure to drive the fundies out of the public sector. We will prevail. Well, I posted that on Sunday afternoon or evening, and I got up Monday morning to the following comment. And this comment was posted by somebody, I'm not going to say his name, but it's somebody that I respect a great deal in another sector of my life not in the philosophical atheism, secularism section of my life. But this is a person I respect a great deal for other reasons. His comment was, I 100% disagree with you. I think terms like fundies are insulting and only show your lack of tolerance for the First Amendment to the Constitution. Well, I want to interject. I I agree also that fundies and, and verbiage like that are denigrating and I have an issue with it. I I understand that and we're going to we're going to get into that a little later in the show as one of our topics we're going to cover because that's, you know, that's definitely one of the things that Garrison and I don't see eye to eye on is like how to do it. But we're going to talk about how later in the show we'll talk about how how both aspects of the the approach are important and necessary and and I agree that using words like fundies might be offensive, but it is most definitely not, you know, uh, it's got nothing to do with the First Amendment to the goddamn Constitution. This is something that I routinely see people talking about and and referencing is like if Facebook clips a picture or a post or something like that or one of your friends tells you you can't say something or whatever – then they call, oh, it's a violation of my First Amendment. No, it is not. The only people who can violate your First Amendment rights is the government. True. The Anybody else, if you walk onto my property and you're spewing hate speech and I say either shut the fuck up or get off my property, that's not a curbing your First Amendment right. You can take your hate speech and go somewhere else and use it, but that's private property, and I have the right to restrict whoever the fuck I want on my private property. Your constitutional rights, for one thing, I don't really like the word rights. I like the word responsibilities, and exercising those responsibilities requires a little bit of uh, personal responsibility in doing so, and you know, so it's not a violation of the fucking constitution okay for me to call someone a fundy and for it's me to just w- poor taste well and for me to want religion furthermore for me to want religion out of the public sector is not a violation it's not me violating their first amendment rights it's them violating the separation of church and state exactly and that's all i'm trying to do is and this is what i get into so this was my response to him this is why i wasn't even into my first cup of coffee yet and i had to i felt mm-hmm. like i needed to immediately deal with this 
And okay, I felt, take that in. He's not into his first <laughs> cup of coffee, and now I'm looking at it. It's like it's like a huge paragraph. Yeah, it, it's can, lengthy. I'm going to read it. I'm just going to read what I responded to him so you can get an idea. This is, And because I respect this guy, I didn't just tell him to fuck off. You know, I actually, I actually took his statement and responded to it. My response was, <clears throat> hardline fundamentalists of all religions are the most intolerant people on the planet. They are responsible for the bulk of human rights restrictions and violations in human history, and they use their religion to rationalize their intolerance. They openly and proudly embrace blind faith over facts and encourage others to do so, even mandate others to do so when they're in positions of power and authority. This pathological dynamic has been one of the most profound restrictor plates on human progress and evolution in the entire history of the species. We, atheist secularists, Simply want them out of the public sector, out of the position of making laws, influencing developing minds, out of positions where they can mandate and manipulate people into believing and participating in their worldview that is not rooted in or conducive with what we know to be factual. I am not saying they don't have the right to believe what they want and even say what they want. I just don't want them doing it in taxpayer-funded classrooms, in the judiciary and legislative bodies of government. This is not a restriction on their First Amendment rights. This is merely a return to a separation of them enforcing their beliefs from the position of state power and restricting the numerous freedoms they have and will of people that do not believe like them. Fundamentalists are the ones that pick this fight by overstepping their constitutional boundaries. We just want a return to real freedom from religious tyranny and real separation of church and state. All churches from every state. If you 100% disagree with this, then are you advocating for religious rule of law? Are you advocating one group and forcing their belief system on another? If so, which group? Christians? Muslims? Jews? Which philosophy gets to control the others? So I posted that, and naturally, zero response. Like, nothing. And it's we're recording this on Wednesday night, so it's been several days now. And that's sort of typical. I mean, when you when you use a logical response and a rational response and actually engage them in in logical sequence of thoughts they back out and run away because they don't have a logical fundamental underpinning to their philosophy they just don't it's fact that that is a fact yeah blah 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 and then you you respond and then crickets nothing yeah nothing that's that's a pretty common situation and you know that brings me to exactly what the show's about which is why now why is it important that we're doing what we're doing and and why is it important that we do it now at this point in human development and especially at this point in the in the history and in the development of the united states because it, in, in all honesty all the european countries for sure and, and for sure the scandinavian countries are actually way ahead of us in this department and absolutely we found that to be the case every single person we talked to on our trip every single person has just so much of, more of an advanced idea about the way the world should be running and and the way the world just fundamentally works so this article that this guy wrote for uh, salon.com is 10 10 reasons why religious fundamentalism is going down. And I'm just going to kind of, I'm not going to read the article, but I am going to use it as a framework to talk this, to talk us through this conversation. And then we're going to sort of talk about, yeah, we'll talk about each point. 
The first one, and this is the one of the biggest reasons that we do the podcast and that we encourage people, is coming out atheist is up and coming. That's the first point he makes. And he, he launches it based on, he uses it as an example, there was a woman that whose home got torn up in Missouri, I believe. Her name was Rebecca Witzman. And uh, when Wolf Blitzer was interviewing people on, you know, about one, one of the reporters asked her something like, you know, what did you did you thank the Lord or whatever for saving your life or whatever? And she basically just kind of laughed and said, well, I'm an atheist, so I don't really believe that stuff. And then later, when she was asked about it, she said she had this moment in which she realized she was either going to lie or tell the truth. And she wasn't a liar. So she just told it. And. You know, I think that that there was a sort of uh, uh, certainly a strong minority in the country that cheered when she said that, because a lot of us were like, holy shit, somebody just said that on the national on a national national platform to. And then and that brings us to like, you know, coming out, you know, uh, I'm not going to say everybody has to come out because this is like, you know, when 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 and gay people still deal with this about. You know, there are people who, if they came out as atheists, it would ruin their lives. They'd lose their jobs. They wouldn't be able to feed their families. It's that bad. It really is I have is several friends, one in particular that holds a, a, a very sensitive job dealing with people. And she says, absolutely, I can't come out as an atheist. It would, I would lose my job. It would, it would cause such havoc. I would never be able to do what I do as an avowed atheist. Yeah, I have a friend that he, he makes his living because he has a large fan base. He has a background in television and stuff and and he and I were talking about it and he had this he had this moment where he was like, "Man, this is he was like, I didn't know you did that talking about our podcast." And I was like, "Yeah." And he said, "Ah, it's so cool to get a chance to talk to somebody about this kind of stuff." He was like, "Cuz I can never I can never speak about this publicly because I'd lose like half my fan base." And that's where his his fine his income comes from. So he just can't he can't do that. But the more of us that come out, the more we're working towards this goal of normalizing atheism. We're normalizing the 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 idea of being secular, and not and not and the reason. And I think the reason that the religious have basically, uh, you know, shunned atheists for so long is because they've always acted like they've got a corner on the notion of morality, and that's just fucking bullshit. I mean. Well, the biggest hello, atrocities the in human church, yeah, the with biggest, all the pedophilia and everything—not just the Catholics that's too, what I'm but saying. I mean, you know, how can you corner morality when you're completely and absolutely uh, violating it over and over again? Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, you look over history; it doesn't take. You know, we, we don't. As far as I'm concerned, that's you know, we don't even need to. Yeah, we don't that, even need to substantiate that. If the, you don't consider that a factual statement, then you need to go fucking study history because that's just seriously. Human. I mean, there's there's no denying all of the egregious things that have been done in the name of religion and, across the board. Uh, and there's a book by a guy by the name of David McAfee called "Mom, Dad, I'm an Atheist," and it's basically like a it's considered like one of the better uh, you know sort of guidebooks for like a good way to come out. It talks about like how to talk to believers about you know the fact that you're an atheist, um, and you know just I, I talked about it on the first podcast we did. Um, you know my I'm, I'm in a situation right now with my own father where he isn't speaking to me. Everybody else in my family is, even though the rest of them are pretty much Christian too, with the exception of one of my brothers and 
you know, every uh, the rest of them are Christians, but they're still very much like I'm still very much in their lives, and we we just don't talk about that stuff. You know, we talk about everything else, but not that. It's so funny. I have this vision of your mom, and it's probably not correct. But I have a vision of your mom late at night when your father's at sleep <laughs> in on the computer and sending us messages on Facebook and, you know, hoping that she, her typing doesn't wake him up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think there may be a bit of that. I don't think it's quite that bad. I don't but either, but yeah. I kind of like the image. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the next point he brings up is the notion that the, the cutting edge of free thought is less cutting and edgy. And he talks about, and this is where I want to talk about the sort of different approaches to being out as an atheist. I'm one of the few people that, because I've had, I got a pretty good firewall between, I do residential remodel work, and most of my clients are not friends on Facebook. They don't follow me on Twitter. There are a few, but they're people who very much philosophically agree and or are very tolerant people. So, you know, or have, you know, the biggest reason I have a firewall, though, is because of my horribly inappropriate sense of humor. And I don't want people on there initially I built that firewall to sort of keep people out that would be offended by my particular type of humor which attacks everything from race to sexual orientation to everything and people that are my friends understand that but you know sometimes strangers they'll your tendency is to interpret the speak of strangers as taking it at face value and taking it completely out of context so anyway I I don't have a lot of clients so I have the luxury of being able to basically say whatever the fuck I want in a completely uncensored way on both Facebook and Twitter and as a result, I have the ability to engage in a form of militant atheism that not a lot of people can, and I don't mind doing it. I'm a Marine, you know, I'm a, I'm a third-generation Marine. My, my whole family is just a bunch of scrappy, Scots-Irish, argumentative, confrontive people. And so for me, to take the confrontational perspective is not only... It's just the way that you are it's, in yeah, general. It's, it's not only that I'm. it's doable, it's sort of preferable. That's the way I am. I'm very confrontational. So I don't mind. And I believe there's an important role for that. I believe that what it does is, like the Dawkins and Hitchens and, and people yeah, like... Yeah, Hitchens was really confrontive <laughs> yeah, and he was brutal and and, and i like that because i think there's a there's a there's a role that those of us that do that play and one of the things that we do is and i've noticed it on my own facebook like even like i've lost a few friends over this but not mostly what happens is people that are friends with me on facebook actually t that are christians have actually toned their rhetoric down because they know that it's it's being cast in the context of being because I've actually cut screenshots of what people have posted and just cut their name out of it and used it as an example of the horrific fucking mindset and the horrific pathologies that can come out of Christianity and the dogmatic belief systems and I think that that they're sort of loath to like I think that they might start to post something and go oh shit Eric's gonna fucking blow up about this and they've actually toned it down and that's what we need the kinder gentler approach works with a lot of people but not everybody and the people who only respond to the stick need to get hit with the fucking stick to get out of the public sector and that's where we come in the militant and and we're a minority of atheists most atheists aren't that you know most atheists live in the closet so well, they're very also, careful and also quiet and most diplomatic. people atheists included have a have a, a more inclusive belief that as long as you 
have what you have, I'll have what I have, you know, and they're not, they don't want the, conf- the confrontation. Right, but as long as there's Christians that are creating the confrontation by f- forcing their belief system into the public sector, we need people that'll take the fight right to them and get right in their face and get right in their teeth and, and exchange sure, blows and words with them. once again, on Facebook, if they want to put Bible verses, that's fine. So I don't, on your, I, yeah, I don't quote, I don't, I don't comment on people that just post stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't get on their threads and comment. I don't get on people's threads and tell them that they're fucking wrong and they're You know idiots. what's interesting, though, is that people get on yours oh, and yeah. on mine when I post. And I, I, I am so completely well, non-confrontational. But, but I, I am political, and people get on my political posts a lot, people that don't agree with me, which I find so interesting. But religion is a whole other thing, and I, you know, I, 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 I do see that people jump on your posts much well, more so they don't, than you jump on there well like that like this one i just read was that's about as confrontational as people get with me because i'm fucking vicious you come at me you better be ready to fight motherfucker because it is that fucking isn't on. you know actually people are much more confrontational with me on my oh Facebook yeah post because you're nice you. that's what i mean <laughs> you can't be fucking nice to people like that when you're there are a few people like you mentioned one today where you sort of talked a guy down off the ledge because he'd gotten a little ornery and mean and confrontational and you basically in your way told him that that wasn't cool and he apologized and took down what he had posted but not everybody's like that and the people who aren't like that that want to get on there and get confrontational motherfucker they were made for people like me i was made to deal with that shit and i'll fucking do it in a heartbeat i don't mind a goddamn bit and if you want to do like that guy and you want to post something like i 100 percent disagree with you this is why I'll I'll engage. I'll yeah. argue your points with you. But if you want it to turn nasty, fine. I'll fucking turn nasty too. And you won't you'll have a harder time getting nastier than I'll get because I'll fucking go there. Like I don't give a shit. And I'll fucking say it right to your goddamn face too. I prefer f- face-to-face physical confrontation over Facebook shit. That shit fu- fucking frustrates me because I can't get in somebody's face and they can't see the veins popping out in my head and they can't get intimidated by me physically. And that's part of what I enjoy about confrontation. So for me, it's like, I'm no fucking keyboard warrior. That shit frustrates me. It feels like the keyboard's between me and the enemy, not as a weapon the to enemy. be used against it. And well, they are. You know, they post themselves up as the enemy. And this is this is what is, you know, this is why it's so important. Because if we don't hit back, if we don't push back, they'll fucking, they will. And they have. Look at history. The goddamn dark ages were dark for a fucking reason. And it goddamn got the church written all over it. There ain't... It's got nothing to do with the weather, the geography, the fucking lack of technology. None of that. Lack of sanitation, maybe. But one of the reasons sanitation and technology and stuff like that didn't progress was because of the fucking church. Well, see, the interesting thing, though, between the way you and I are is I'll take things and I'll try to, um, you know, ameliorate the situation or, like you said, you know, say it wasn't appropriate and then they apologize or whatever. But if you push me hard enough, I will then draw that line in the sand don't push me past it because then i go cold i don't get angry i just go cold and then that's it you no longer exist in my universe i don't bother fighting about it i don't bother whatever it's just like mm, the door's closed well and and that's what you know and her and and so many I, there's so many people and i actually sort of admire people that are willing to go in these tete-a-tete back and forth battles where they actually use they actually take the time to point out the logical fallacies in the Bible and in Christian dogma and stuff like that. Because See, that's I'm, me. I'm like, I'm so fucking over that shit. I'm just like, you know what? If you 
if you want to come at me and you're going to use the Bible to buttress your argument, then go fuck yourself. Just seriously go fuck right off because I'm not even going to if you because as far as I'm concerned, the the bottom line is if somebody is citing the Bible to buttress up their argument, the reality is they're not going to change their mind based off what you say. They may back down from the argument, but they are not going to back down from their viewpoint. Well, I sort of agree with that, but, and I'll use myself as an example, I used to live down the street from uh, Kingdom Hall, and so one day, uh, you know, they, they travel in pairs, uh, a, a, a pair came up to the door, they knocked, they said they wanted, you know, di- uh, they wanted to tell me, you know, about Jesus, and blah, 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 so I invited them in, and I got out, you know, my Egyptian Book of the Dead, and my Tibetan Book of the Dead, and my Aleister Crowley, and my Manly P. Hall, and the Bible, and the Apocrypha, and I got it out, and so we talked, and I could just see their eyes getting bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and they sort of scurried, and then the next time they came, there were four of them, and the next time they came, there were six of them, and then last time they came, there were ten of them, ten of them in my living room, all you know, trying to tell me why I was wrong and me just showing them proof after proof after proof after proof that basically it's, you know, it's all the same stuff that people have been saying for aeons in different ways and that uh, basically I had no interest in swallowing their Kool-Aid. And then they just stopped coming. Well, and and and, and that's a great example of what I'm talking about. Out of those 10 people, maybe at some point after yeah, that maybe experience, one maybe one of them started said, really you know questioning. So. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we don't have, uh, you know, the corner on this. Maybe there is something else and maybe they got out of yeah. the the hellhole that they were in. I mean, and that's exactly what I mean when I say that both approaches have viability because and another thing that the sort of more militant approach does is that that sort of almost violent confrontational aspect of well that's just fucking stupid get out of my face with that shit the first time somebody hears that they're like they're horrified and they turn around and then what it does is the next time they encounter someone that's not like that and they're actually willing to talk about it there's a sense of relief and an almost willingness to more likely accept what they're hearing because they have a context of oh at least they're not like that Eric guy on Facebook you know well the leader literally at the end said well you, i i see you have made some valid points here and i see that we're never going to come into agreement so thank you and goodbye i mean th- i i actually got them to agree that I had made some valid points. And that's, you know, and that's, I think, and, and, and I, like I said, I applaud people who have the patience to do that. I don't. And that's not the sort of, and that's not the gift that I bring to the table. But I also don't want what I do, and this is something, this is something I've sort of noticed in the atheist community, and it's something we really need to get beyond, is atheists tend to be as much black and white thinkers as anybody else when it comes to a lot of stuff and and because they're also reasonably intelligent people a lot of times they're you know they 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 seem to even more firmly believe that theirs is the right way and so you've got atheists out there and secularists out there that are um talking about like well you guys shouldn't be so militant and because i that's not how i am so that's not how you should be either and that's just that's the same sort of like black and white exactly. right or wrong thinking that we're trying to get away it's from dogma yeah it's dogma and to to act like that one has even more or less viability than the other is nonsense i mean they both play an equally important role now if everybody was a militant atheist or everybody was a more passive you know uh debating atheist 
one either one of those extremes would be would not serve the movement well but there's definitely a place for both as long as there's rush limbaugh's and sean hannity's in the world trust me you want people like me to deal with the rhetoric that's coming out of those fucking shit bags what i'm saying is that it should be as inclusive uh, as the other ones are exclusive in the sense of there is a role for everybody within it and there's a role for the religious in the private sector absolutely you know they you know they can start their own schools they can do anything that they like without ruling over people that are not religious that's just never going to be acceptable um which is part of what that you know he gets to number three and he says biblical sexuality is getting bend finally which means it's getting you know thrown out and by biblical sexuality he talks about a number of things uh, gay marriage is uh, recently gotten uh, legalized in even Utah. So at this point, if your state does not have legal gay marriage, well, Florida and Utah do. So fucking do the math. And and they also he also goes more into not it's not just the gay marriage thing. It's also the perception of women, and you know all the religions uh, horribly oppress women. I mean, there's there's no you look at like even the New Testament man Peter and Paul wrote a lot of the apostles you know a lot of those books in the Bible that are beyond the first four gospels the apostles and those Paul was a fucking misogynist from the word go and they talk about like in uh, in the book of Timothy there's a specific verse that just says women will never hold dominion over man yada yada a woman should have her mouth shut it literally says that so you know if you get your if you're a female and you get your instruction from the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament doesn't matter, then you ought to just be sitting there making fucking sandwiches and having babies because that's about exactly what religion wants you to do. What female swallows that Kool-Aid? I still can't yeah, understand that. any anybody uh that uh, uh, lesbian, I'm, gay, transgender, uh any female, anybody that is Republican. Um, I don't understand it. Well, I'm, let's. I don't even want to use political parties. Let's just call them conservative Christians. How, how you could embrace the conservative Christian movement when you're any of those people? If you're Seriously. not a straight white male, that shit does not suit you. Seriously, you are you are absolutely. Well, no, it obviously suits them, but it doesn't represent them. That's the thing that I don't understand. Is that is that why on earth would you espouse a belief that completely denies everything that you are? So anyway, the the Bible sexuality of, you know, uh, the the notion of consent by women is one of those things that like, man. In the, oh, mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. And especially in the Old Testament, like that yeah. was not a consent factor isn't an at issue. All. Yeah. And uh, basically consent was the man going, hey, I want to have sex. And that was consent. And, you know, we're this this awareness, bring, bringing awareness to this concept of the rape culture and stuff like that. And how no means no. And all these, like, you know, unfortunately... It's not just get, women. I mean, uh, yeah. any kind of uh, sexual congress that is not mutual is rape. I mean, man, man, women, women. I mean, it, it, it crosses all those boundaries. Yeah. And um, so, you know, a lot of that stuff is getting turned on its head. Um, and and honestly, there's a lot of fighting going on right now about, you know, the, the pro-life versus the pro-choice movement. I hate the word pro-life. Let's stick with anti-choice, pro-choice movement. And, you know, that's 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 a sticking point. And they and that's one of the areas where the Christians have really dug in deep, man. They have really dug their heels in with that one. But 
the 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 good news is is that you know if you don't know much about our system le- there's a there, there there's the concept of legal precedent and legal precedent is powerful shit like man courts are loath the one thing about the courts and lawyers is that most of those people have respect for the game they play and one of the rules of that game is you don't change the rules of the game and once legal precedent is set that's why it's so important that when the courts decide on civil rights issues that they decide on the right side because man if they don't it can take you'd think about reversing legislation's fucking easy compared to reversing legal precedent well i mean that's why legislation like lacey's law which sounds on the surface like a good thing when when that dude Mary uh, 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 murdered his wife and uh, her unborn child. Then that's what gave the fetus personhood, so that it was an actual double murder. And those kind of laws on the books well, are the things that 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 are are being stacked to try to reverse Roe v. Wade. Well, but they all there were five states that had personhood laws on the on the yep. on the ballot on in uh, th- on this year in November and they all lost yep. pretty decisively they well, weren't that's even what, close. that's what I'm saying cuz people realize yeah. now that once that precedent gets going then it's well that's know. not precedent that's actually law and it would be easier to reverse that than it would be precedent in the court system the court system once a judge issues a federal judge issues a decision on something that's why but that's what I'm saying that's they why use, Roe they v. Use those Wade laws is so to set precedent no precedent is set by how a judge decides a case and that doesn't that and that's how they interpret those laws and roe v wade is actually you if you really look at like legal precedent roe v wade's actually kind of a thin thread to hang abortion it on. Is. it's not it's not it's a little bit of a stretch but the fact that roe v wade still supports abortion rights is a is an it's it's a statement to how powerful precedent is and and it's also and the fact that those five personhood the states that and I don't know. I apologize. I don't know what the states were off the top of my head. That's not really important at this point. But the fact that we went five for five and won all five of them, what that means is is that this article's right and that I'm right. I've been saying this since 2004 that I believe in, in the election in 2004 was when the conservative Christian movement hit peak tide and they've been at ebb tide ever since. And yeah, they you are have said that they are removed. They are moving back, and that's why it's so important right now. That, that that stuff is on the wane. Um, the number four, he says, recovering believers are reclaiming their lives. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but basically it sort of ties in with being out. So if you come out, it used to be if you were out, you basically had to be like a like a lawyer for the ACLU or something if you were going to be an out atheist. That was one of the few careers that you could have where it wasn't really going to affect your ability to still have your job if you were an out atheist. But now you've got people in so many sectors that are that are out. You know, legal precedent is you can't be fired for having belief systems. It's sort of a quick side note here. Ken Ham with his fucking ARC Park that just got uh, the the Kentucky, I think the Department of Treasury or the 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 state's attorney for Kentucky. Anyway, the state of Kentucky just shot down all the tax benefits that he was applying for that were basically going to give him the ability to open this park. It was the tax benefits he was going to get that were going to give him the ability to open the park. He lost them all because he was using a screening process to hire people. Yep. 
They and, capped him. And well, they they, they well they shut down his tax yeah, exemptions. That's and name. and then he lost. And he's come out. He's been very vocal about the fact that it's it's atheist agenda. It's the gays and the atheists that are teaming up to shut down his park and everything. But the bottom line is, and in all this, one of the things I want to point out real quick. In all of the hullabaloo about that and how Ken Ham is, most everybody's focusing on ha 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 fuck Ken Ham. I just like to point out that the state of Kentucky decided against yeah. the Christians. Can you fucking believe that? That's another example of how we're winning. If states like Kentucky, for fuck's sake, are are making decisions like, can you imagine like fifty years ago? If you wanted to build an ARC park and you were only hiring Christians and you wanted government funding, you'd probably get it. But in the, at this point in human development, even the fucking state's attorneys and stuff with a pla- in a place like Kentucky are like, uh, well, the hubris, nope, that's against the law. The hubris of the conservative Christian has gotten so great that there is a backlash against it. People that's, are saying, exactly. wait a second, wait a second. You don't, you don't run the show. Your agenda yeah. is so out there, and, and we can't support that. And there's actually, uh, I'm just going to read this quick. There's a small but growing number of cognitive scientists that are exploring the relationship between religion and mental illnesses like depression, anxiety disorders, and panic. There was a, an incident that I actually related today, and Garrison didn't know I was going to talk about this, but this is one of those. I've been this whole year. I've been peeling back the layers on a lot of things, and and and, and having realizations about why I am the way I, that I am on a lot of fronts. And something that she's always known about me from the time we started dating is that when I go into any room, I never sit with my back to the door. Um, and everybody, including me, has sort of chalked that up to me being a veteran and you know having trained in the martial arts. And I, and for and during my twenties, I lived around a lot of hooligans and violent people and stuff. So everybody just assumed that years and years and years and years of living like that is why I'd never sit with my back to the door. And today I was telling a story, and I realized that it goes way back even beyond that. When I was nine years old, we lived in a house that we were living in temporarily while we while we worked on another house that we were building and remodeling. And we had made these bookends in vacation Bible school, and one of them was a bust of Jesus. And I was I was sitting with my back to the door, and my siblings were in the room on the other side of me. And I was pulling out the bust of Jesus, and I was just doing this silly thing kids do. My siblings were like three, five, and eight, and I was nine. And I was pulling the bust out, and I was just going... Oh Jesus! And I was sort of wiggling it around like <laughs> a ghost, so and the kids were that. just the kids were just giggling, and I was laughing, and we were just having fun, and um, all of a sudden I did it, and they didn't laugh, so I did it again, and they didn't laugh, and then I had that realization of she's behind me, isn't she? <laughs> and I turned around, it was my mom, and she used liquid Dawn dish soap all in her hand and washed my mouth out oh with soap. It took a day and a half, two days for that fucking soap taste to get out of my goddamn mouth because she rubbed it all in, down into my gag reflex, like all up around my gums and everything. It was liquid Dawn dish soap just all in my mouth. And then when my dad got home, I for sure got whipped too. So, and as I was telling this story, I was like, that's why I don't sit with my fucking back to the door. Like that I, makes total sense, and it goes Absolutely. way back even and, and wow. because I can't. I can remember even as a teenager. At that point, I started thinking. I was like, even as a teenager, I remembering always being uncomfortable with my back to the door of a room, yeah. and it's because of that, and it's because I was being blasphemous at nine years old, outside of saying the word Jesus. I wasn't doing shit. I wasn't breaking just anything. Like a kid. We were just you acting were, like kids, yeah. but because we were saying, you know, we were. I was being blasphemous. 
you know, I got punished for it. I got punished pretty rough. It was a pretty gnarly, like, you know, mouth washing out and then proceeded to get beaten for it. So, and you're seeing like, you know, and to tie that in with this, it's like, you know, these mental disorders that come from this, you've got kids that are coming out. Like there's a, um, a group of homeschoolers. Oh, okay. So that takes us to our next category here. Communities are coming together. Um, uh, around the world, you've got different atheist groups that are sort of coming together to have almost like a church service type thing. And there's which a, I find interesting because everybody needs community, and it's sort of been co-opted by the religious. Yeah, for sure. Um, and there's a group of homeschooled <laughs> kids in Christianity called um, Homeschoolers Anonymous. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Homeschoolers Anonymous, and they. Uh, and they just get together and support each other because, you know, you got some of these Christian sects that are so fucking extreme that when these kids come out, like, they need almost deprogramming like you do from a cult, you know? So that's part of what's happening. And we're going to talk more about pathologies associated with religion. So we'll get into more of that in the future. So we'll just say yeah, that, a, that community is coming show of together. Itself. Yeah. Um, secular giving is growing. Um, and this is this is really important because this is one of the biggest indictments of atheism, and it's one of the more valid because you know Christian charities. One of the justifications for them having tax exempt status, and one of their justifications for just fucking existing, is that they do a lot of charitable work. They feed the poor. They fucking do homeless shelters. They do all this. And I got into a discussion thread uh, several weeks ago on Facebook where a guy was challenging us to name one homeless shelter that was secular, purely secular, run by atheist or secularist or whatever. And we couldn't come. And, you know, there was obviously a couple of people on there that were trying to Google it. And there are secular charities, but specifically homeless shelters. We couldn't come up with anything on Google. There probably is one somewhere, but it's just not on the Internet for some reason. But it is something that because of our lack of organization, because we've spent we're literally like this is also the birth of this movement. If you want to really think about it, you know, Carl Sagan is the one who started talking about the ideas of science really openly. He was a believer. He believed in there was a God, but he also believed in the Big Bang and, you know, evolution and stuff like that. And. We're the we're we're a fledgling movement. We're only beginning to organize. That's where we're at right now. And. Well, and I have a friend who he doesn't run a shelter, but he does feed and uh, take things to the homeless uh, all over L.A. County. And he has a group that gets together and they make uh, lunch bags and uh, things. And it's a group of um, both secular and religious people, yeah. but it hasn't got any religious affiliation. Yeah. And that's and that's what one of the things we're looking for here is in these organizations. This is something to keep in mind is don't. Just because someone believes in God, don't throw off the baby with the bathwater. Um, if 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 you're talking to somebody who believes in evolution, and, but they believe in some sort of divine architect, but they believe in the separation of church and state, that's the key thing. If they're a, if they're a churched or unchurched person that believes in God, but they believe strictly in the separation of church and state, then make them an ally. You know what I mean? Like don't. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm going after the fundamentalist. I'm going after the ones that want to make it illegal for gay people to marry. I'm going after the ones that want to make it, you know, against the law for women to have choice over their own bodies and that kind of stuff. Those are the ones I'm going after. If you believe in God and you go to church every Sunday, but you also believe in evolution and you don't think creation should be taught in schools, you're not who I'm talking to. You're cool. 
just for the record, I'm, I want to be clear on that. I'm going to say that often and a lot because I keep doing it to remind myself as much as anything. But that's not who we're after here. We're after the ones that are trying to get these laws passed. And I just want to be clear on that. But we also need to organize. Um, if you want to give to secular charities, you can go to www.weareatheism.com. Look up. They got sick, uh, secular charities listed on there. There's uh, the humanist. Uh, you can look up in, in humanism. There's a bunch of organizations and they all do. The whole point of humanism is to help humanity. So they have a bunch of ways that you can aid, you know, people. If you want to give money, donate time, whatever, those are all good things. I strongly recommend that one of the things you can do is with your money is, and one of the things I'm doing is I'm starting to vet the places I spend my money at like restaurants. And, you know, for instance, uh, there are like Domino's Pizza, for instance, the guy who owns Domino's Pizza, the controlling interest in Domino's is a guy who donates huge amounts of money to uh, the anti-choice movement. And um, the guy and the same thing with Carl's Jr., the same company that owns Hardee's, same thing there. Uh, in and out, I've had to fucking God damn it, quit eating there because they print a Bible verse on their cup. And that's too proselytizing for me that's a and little they too donate a lot mm -hmm. to the lobbies exactly that in washington These... that uh you know to to try to get this legislation passed i mean huge amounts yeah and so hearts mountain is another one we uh one of the things we're doing is we're not set up financially to be able to give much money to charity but one of the things we can do is we can control where we spend it you know like i might need to buy food but I can control where the fuck I buy it. And I'm going to stop and do the best that I can to stop spending money in places where they're using part of the profits from my purchases to to work against us. Fuck that. Start vetting your sources. Start start looking at where you're spending your money and stop spending it at places that are going to turn around and work towards counter countermanding what it is our mission statement is. It's not is. hard. It's, it's freedom of, of information. Oh, with the internet. It's, it's out there. It's, you it's can just get Google it. it. Like, yeah. You can there are there are places you can go and just see lists of this stuff. Yeah. I see people posting on Facebook and stuff frequently. So secular giving that's important. Um, the religious right number seven is the religious right is licking wounds. And you know if you look at the stance the Catholic Church has taken, the Pope that's currently in there, I don't trust the man. I think he's still just be. I think he's just a really good spin doctor, but. What he is doing is he's backing off the hardline stance of opposition to some of these movements, tweaks and changes to some pretty dogmatic stances the Catholic Church has had that have been the underpinning for some pretty dangerous. So even and if he is policies. doing it to get, uh, you know, exactly. enrollment back and you know, get people in in the pews in it's, the churches, it doesn't matter. It's still making it less harmful absolutely. of an entity. So and yeah. that and that is absolutely factual. So, but if you look at that, uh, the guy who's the president of the new president the new head of the uh, names russell moore uh the new southern baptist convention which is a huge huge political lobby he's actually recently issued a warning that baptists shouldn't be quote mascots for any political faction end quote and and that means that that you know baptist being necessarily equated with the republican party is is not a good idea in his book and he's the head of this organization again these guys might just be being spin doctors but what they're doing to create relevancy for their particular sects of christianity is actually backing down off of some of these hardline stances that they've been taking and i think that if you really look at the political climate the fact that we 
meaning the progressives, lost so much headway in the 2014 had nothing to do with public opinion. I think it had a lot to do with voter apathy. And, really? Yeah, and that's something that another thing when you talk about organization is, man, if everybody, and I mean everybody, who was an atheist or what we call an unchurched progressive would just get out and vote, Absolutely. The, the tide would the tide would change more quickly. Because here's the thing about politicians. They're fucking wind socks that just sort of reflect the direction the wind blows. Those motherfuckers are as amoral, and they could give two shits about whatever. They're just pandering to what they think their base is. And when the base starts to obviously change, then so will they. That's just how it fucking works. You have works. to get out and exercise your, ro- your, your uh, right to vote. You have to. So that's, that's <clears throat> number eight. Texas is evolving, exclamation point. Um, big stink recently about the textbooks. So the reason, in a nutshell, the reason Texas textbook opinion things were so important was Texas buys so many fucking textbooks that basically what the Texas Board of Education wants in the textbooks is what it's the what textbooks in. print in the textbooks. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of other states are sort of have to buy it because that's what's available. Well, they lost the fight to get creationism put in, in textbooks in Texas. Even the Texas Board of Education, after listening to the creationist arguments, said, nah, we're not going to c- include you. So they lost a big battle there. And they're, they're losing these kind of battles all over. They lost the personhood thing. They're, they're, they're losing this. They're losing legal precedent in major ways. There are a couple of situations. If, you, if you're interested in law, one of the things you ought to look at is the sort of catch-22s they've created for themselves. Because in the past, when they've tried to be forced out of situations, they pass these sort of equal rights under the law for religion things. And then that's backfiring on them because now the Satanists are getting their nativity scenes set up in in courthouses and stuff. And the Satanists are about to get a huge statue of Pan put up at the Oklahoma City courthouse next to the Ten Commandments. And... Now there's a humanist organization that wants to have a plaque made for Oklahoma Pan City. dancing around the, the, the yeah, it's tablets. Pan, Pan, it's Pan sitting on a throne with two <laughs> children there, and he's got this. He's got his two fingers up, and he's got the goat horns. It's great, but it's fabulous fucking statue, and it would look awesome next to the Ten Commandments. But what ultimately happens is because they don't want the devil in the courthouse, they'll just pull the Ten Commandments, and that's that's typically what happens. But these laws are backfiring on them. They've painted themselves into this corner of absolutism, and now it's being used against them. So if you're interested in law, which is kind of fascinating to me, and I like reading about that stuff, look up some of that. That's, that's interesting stuff. Um, and then the, the last two sort of tie together, and it's about the millennials. And I've been saying this for quite a while, too. And I'll tell you what. The kids that are coming up now, man, yeah. you got kids that were born. Like, you know, for instance, we got 14-year-old kids that 9-11 doesn't really mean a whole lot to because they don't fucking remember it. Yep. All they know is that we've been at war for some fucking bullshit. And, and they they, no they probably have a more clear perspective on really why we've been at war than most of us do. Because most of us were wrapped up in the fever of the post-9-11. Fuck those fucking terrorists. Let's stick a bomb up their ass. And, you know, a lot, I, I have to say I was one... Um, and I was glad to see somebody fucking pay. 
But I also know, have known from the moment those towers came down that there were going to be repercussions that we were all going to regret, and that certainly has happened, without a doubt. I and said I think from those the millennials, the Patriot Act was just a way yeah. to strip us of our of many well, many rights. The millennials are, and man, they get a bad rap from my demographic, and especially the older ones. But I actually have a great deal of faith. They in, are in wired where those kids differently. Are going. They are wired so they fucking are. differently, and they live in a different world. They've had the internet since they were born you realize that people who are graduating from college now were born in homes that had internet connections yep that's a different fucking world it's a different paradigm it's a completely different paradigm and i have a lot of faith that shit's going to change reasonably dramatically when those kids begin to take leadership roles in another 10 15 20 years i think things like this when you talk about normalizing atheism, this generation of kids doesn't give a fuck if you're gay, nope. if you're straight, if you nope. go to church, if you don't go to church. All their thing is, hey, just don't fuck with me. And that's the stance we just want people to take. And so I have a lot of faith. And that's why I believe it's important for those of us that are of the generation that we are to continue this fight because we're literally paving the way for that generation of kids. They're not going to have to waste their time with this fucking bullshit. Yeah, they're already living in the future while we are still mired in exactly, our past. Exactly, exactly. That is a precise example. So let's keep fighting these fucking battles to get civil rights for, for you know, people of color, for people with sexual orientations uh, that are v- a variety of sexual orientations, and for atheists. This is the next and last big civil rights battle for our culture. This is where... The reason for all the civil rights violations, this is ultimately where we strike the death blow. It's been a chipping away and a chipping away and a chipping away at this fucking monstrosity. And we are at a point now where, if you want to use a fight analogy, which I happen to really enjoy, is, you know, Shocking. We're, we're deep into the latter rounds of the fight now. And we've been jabbing, and we've been jabbing, and we've landed a couple of good body shots. Now we're starting to land that overhand right, and it's time to move in for the finishing touches. That's what time it is, and that's what we're doing. And these millennials are going to be able to come into a world in leadership roles where we're not debating about fucking climate change. Where we're not debating about whether or not what you do with your genitalia should matter to your fucking neighbors. We're entering an age where all that's not going to matter anymore. And it's going to be a different place, the world they live in. Now, we're not going to wake up one day and it's going to be radically different. But change is happening very quickly in the world we live in. And if you can't see that, then... Seriously, a blockbuster movie made about Stephen Hawking. I mean, that (laughs) alone. Exactly. I mean, a blockbuster. So, and they're, and they're really, you know, rebuilding the wall, too, between the separation of church and state. When, uh, uh, you know, where there was a school up in, uh, in Bellevue, Washington, fired a gay teacher, hundreds of students walked out chanting, change the church. It was a Catholic school. You know, you got kids coming to school in dresses when a classmate gets suspended because he's transgender and he's trying to make the leap to becoming the woman that he feels like he was born to be. And he wears a dress to school and he gets fired because of an antiquated dress code. And then the next day, the football team shows up wearing dresses to underscore the absurdity of these rules. And these are kids that just like you can't. That's a different group. They have a different approach to shit. They are so much more tolerant. They're the, the color means nothing to them. You know, I was at a house today doing some repair work for a client who's a wealthy 
middle-aged couple and they've got a son who's they bought the house so that him and his buddies could share a home and i go in there and it's a white kid who's dating a black girl and he's got a black roommate and there's a latino roommate and it's just like and they don't look at each other it's as seeing any different is they, awesome it's a different they have a different perspective on everything and so homogeny across the board it's fabulous yeah. and and so you know when we if to to sort of sum it up why do we do it? Because we want to normalize atheism. That's the first step. And I kind of, I don't know if I... It's I've, not better. It's not worse. It's just normal. It's exactly, just the way people are. Exactly. It's just accepted. Yeah. It's not going to keep you from getting elected. It's not going to keep you from getting a job. It's not going to keep you from landing a contract just because you're atheist. I kind of came up with a, I don't know if I've coined this phrase. Somebody may have beaten me to it, but I've never heard it before. Um, I'm going to start calling it the secularity of human development. And when you talk about the singularity of a black hole, in the singularity of a black hole, there are infinite, it's it's literally infinite density of matter. Well, in in the secularity of human development, there are literally infinite possibilities. I like it. And that's what we want. And we're going trademark, and and ultimately that's going to come from a complete separation of church and state. And why is now important? Because we're fucking winning. We are winning. That is a fucking fact. And the bottom line is the trajectory of human development for thousands and thousands and thousands of years has been an upward ascending spiral. And that is the bottom line. The Christian paradigm is done. It's fucking dead. It is antiquated. It is time to strike. But there's the fucking no room death for growth within it. it. And now, uh, it, especially it's, not in the modern world. It's, it's and time. It's time for it to go. We yep. need to. We need. It's literally ballast at this point. It's not. It, 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 it's. It's a. It's a horrific ballast that needs to get shed off of us. So that's why now. <laughs> And now, Tales from the Derp Side. So this week in Tales from the Derp Side, we're going to go to Waco, Texas. Shocking, right? Shocking. Uh, So Bill Nye was down there giving uh, lectures, a couple lectures at uh, the McLennan Community College in Waco as part of their Distinguished Lecture Series. And he mentioned that um, in Genesis one sixteen that reads, and I will read it to you, God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made stars. Okay, so that's the verse, Genesis one sixteen. Bill Nye mentioned the verse and then said that the moon was not actually a source of light as it's stated in that verse, but that it was actually a reflector of light. And when he said this, he was booed by many people in the crowd. One woman even got up, and as she was storming out with her three children, said, and I quote, we believe in God. (laughs) And I just was one of those things that when I read it, I was like, well, of course she fucking did. And it proves that, you know, that derp is still alive and well, and it will be. But rather than Bill Nye getting run out of Waco, Texas, that lady got up and left the fucking room. And that's exactly the way it should go. If progress. This, if, if progress and facts and science offend your stupid, stone age, iron age, nonsensical 
fucking bullshit written by a bunch of goat herders that were fucking didn't know where the the sun went at night. You know, if that offends that sensibility, then go the fuck home. Because seriously, nobody wants you in the public sector anymore. That's the bottom line. So that's the show for today. We've got a bunch of good stuff coming up in the future. I'm Eric, and you can follow me at Eric Pelham on Twitter. And I'm Garrison, and I am at Garamone on Twitter. You can send me friend requests on Facebook. I basically don't shoot anybody down unless you've got some Jesus bullshit on your page. <laughs> then you're fucking not getting accepted at the Hall of Shame. You can uh, hit me up on Facebook as well. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.